This book is our all-sufficient guide for faith and conduct. Amen. The living, we're convinced the living water changes everything, one life at a time. One life at a time. Jesus has changed our lives. That is the reason we come to celebrate. It is the reason that we uh, have a purpose here at North Lake Church that everyone would hear this message of God's forgiveness. And as is this morning, we are starting a new series on the power of forgiveness. This is one of the greatest greatnesses of God that you can fathom, uh, if you can. And I will tell you, you really can't. God's forgiveness and God's grace reaches beyond whatever your need may be. Whatever the sin may be that you feel has separated you from God, God's Son, Jesus Christ, has made a way for you. He's made a way for you. I want to talk about the power of forgiveness because oftentimes as we think about the power of forgiveness, there is something happening in the world today and it concerns me. First of all, may we say that there's no real way to talk about forgiveness without having to think of the person of Jesus Christ. Really, any concept in our country of forgiveness has its basis there because it's so prevalent, and yet I'm concerned because there is more talk about forgiveness happening in other arenas more than ever before. In fact, the greatest one that is happening now is the power that you have to forgive yourself. Now, I don't want to sound cynical. I don't want to sound judgmental. I want to speak the truth to you. We have absolutely no power at all to forgive anyone, including ourselves. The power that we have to forgive, according to Scripture, is because He forgave us. Do you hear me? So this concept, and you say, well, Pastor Brian, what do you mean? I don't mean that it is not good for you to be encouraged in the Lord and for, to recognize that God has given you a purpose here. What I'm saying is the concept of you can, you can somehow forgive yourself and therefore heal yourself is false. You cannot heal anyone, including yourself. You will never be able to be set free until Jesus sets you free. And so we come to this, and if you're wondering what reference this may be, before we even get into the scripture, I give you a reference, Romans 8, 31 through 34. Romans chapter 8, verses 31 through 34. Here it says, if God is for you, who can be against you? Who is that that condemns? God is saying as his own witness, who are you to say you won't forgive yourself? Do you hear what I'm saying? 
Forgiveness has never been based on our power. It's based on his power. And when he forgives, he is able to do it completely. Now let's go to scripture and talk about the person, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is whom all forgiveness stems from. It is from his name that we have received forgiveness. It's in Colossians that we are going to be going today. Found in the first chapter, and we're going to be reading 19 through 23. 19 through 23. So grab your Bibles there, and let's start at verse 19. For it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in Him, speaking of Jesus, and through Him to reconcile all things to Himself, having made peace through the blood of His cross. Through Him, I say, whether things on earth or things in heaven, and although you were formerly alienated and hostile in mind, engaged in evil deeds, yet he has now reconciled you in his fleshly body through death in order to present you before him holy and blameless and beyond reproach. If indeed you continue... In the faith, firmly established and steadfast and not moved away from the hope of the gospel that you have heard, which was proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, was made a minister. This passage of scripture settles for all time who it is that has not only power to forgive, but who it was that had the plan to reconcile you. It was God all along. It was God the Father who he's talking about, who was pleased to have all of his fullness dwell in his Son, Jesus Christ. It is a hard concept for us to understand but Jesus Christ was fully God and he came in the flesh that's the greatest thing about the news of the gospel and the person of Jesus Christ he emptied himself of who he was being God and made himself like you and I that we would be healed forgiven that we would have that forgiveness. And it is in Him that that forgiveness comes. Now I will tell you again that this is not a, a concept that is popular in our world today. They would rather you talk about bettering ourselves but I challenge you to ask, how are we doing at bettering ourselves apart from God? How are we doing at doing it our way? You look around and I tell you that the results of a fallen world are evident everywhere. It is not getting better. 
this idea of Darwinism of gradually everything becoming into this utopia where we have somehow learned is not going to happen. We need a Savior desperately, Jesus Christ. He has come. He has come to give us life and life to the full. But here is the news. The Word of God says, it is through the blood of his cross. You say, I, I, I can't even believe you would put a picture up there like that. The reason I put that picture up there for you is because we need to realize the cost of our sin and disobedience to God. We have done our best to make our sin something different than what it is. But our sin is ugly. Our sin is huge. The Bible says that our sin in our heart, speaking of the heart of man in Jeremiah 17, he says the heart of man is desperately wicked and beyond cure. There's no way that we are going to improve ourselves. There is no hope apart from the person of Jesus Christ. I will say it again. There is no hope to this world apart from the Son of God, Jesus Christ. You say, Pastor Brian, that's a simple message. It's been preached for years. Can't we move on past that? No, in fact, the Bible warns that if we move past it, we're in trouble. It has always been by the blood of Jesus. It will always be by the blood of Jesus. Our sin is ugly. Our sin was desperate. We were without hope. And God himself, this is the news. Not like gods that you hear about, other gods, little g-gods that talk about you coming and somehow appeasing them by whipping and beating and going on and on to try to be good enough to earn their presence. No, Almighty God said, you can't come into my presence without there being a cost paid. That paid was that cost was blood. And the Bible says that he looked in Isaiah and saw that there was not one person that could bring it about. So it said his own arm worked salvation for him. It says that he decided himself that he would go down. This is the greatest news. God is not asking you to come and somehow earn yourself to his presence. He is saying, I have sent my son and done the work, therefore come. But the thing that we need to understand is there is no coming to God apart from the blood of Jesus. 
I know what I am saying this morning is not going to ring politically correct. And praise God for it. Because political correctness will never save anyone. So let me say it again. Only by the blood of Jesus Christ will it be done. Our sin was paid for. But the cost was ugly. The cost took the perfect lamb of God. The Bible says Jesus was without sin, spotless. He paid the price for everyone's sin. This is the power of forgiveness. The reason we have forgiveness is because God has forgiven us. The power in forgiveness is he has said, I have opened heaven's gate for whosoever will come. This is how we would rather see the cross. We would rather see this gold ornate, nice, neat, and I understand what we have hanging. I don't think sometimes it does us a service. I know I'm, I'm turning over a religious apple cart this morning. But this cross is not the cross that saved us. The cross that saved us was ugly. The cross that saved us bore our sin. We've made it into this little good luck charm we wear around our necks. If you have a cross on this morning, please, I am not asking you to take it off. I am not saying you are wrong. I'm saying that we make things into something they should never be. And there are many who grab the cross of Christ and they think by wearing this gold ornate or whatever they do to the cross, somehow that will save them. No, this saves you. This will never save you. This saves you. Because of his blood, because he was willing to shed his blood, you and I have forgiveness of sin. Praise God. It is the greatest news that has ever been told. We need to shout it. Not just with our lips, but with our lifestyles. We need to live for God because of what he's done for me. As I've told people before, I don't serve God because I have to. I serve God because I get to. Because he made a way for me. When I still was a sinner and didn't love him, he loved me. I will serve him with all of my life and all of my heart. The point was, is that we were estranged. That's what the Bible says. It says that we were Apart from him. The, the word in the New American Standard Bible says alienated and hostile to God. 
See, God was not wanting to push us away. We can't get to God because of sin. You know why God hates sin? Because sin destroys you. God's not mad at you. God's not angry at you. God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for us. God's wrath was poured out on the cross. Do you understand me? God's wrath was poured out on the cross. That was the amazing thing. In the Bible, when Jesus was there, it literally said that the Father had to turn his head away because it was such an ugly thing. It separated us. There was a line that we couldn't cross. Because our sins separated us from a holy God. The reason we can't come into his presence is not because he wants, he's angry and he's going to kill us. It's because he's holy. And if you come, we will die. He's a holy God. But praise God. Listen to what this says. Verse number 21, follow with me. It says, you were formerly alienated, hostile. Verse 22, yet he has now reconciled you. The he is God in his flesh. The his is Jesus. God has now reconciled you in Jesus' body through his death on the cross. He reconciled you. That's where the power of forgiveness comes. The reason that we are able to come so freely to God is not because it's easy or cheap. It's because it costs God everything. And he was willing and so loved you and I that he did it. Praise God. Even though we were estranged, the word estranged means that you once were connected and now you cannot be together. You are separated by some boundary. We are estranged from God. We were with God from the beginning in the garden and sin entered and it estranged us from him. And if that weren't enough, the Bible says before the foundation of the world was laid, God had the plan of salvation. Now think about that. God didn't say, well, oops, now plan B. God knew all along that he would be willing to come to die for you and I. You talk about love? You talk about an almighty, awesome God? That he would love me? Ah, woo. Listen to what Isaiah, turn with me, if you would, to Isaiah. I want to read a passage of scripture about sin. Starting at verse number one of Isaiah 59. Behold, the Lord's hand is not so short that it cannot save, 
Neither is his ear so dull that he cannot hear. But your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God. And your sin have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. For your hands are defiled with blood and your fingers with iniquity. Your lips have spoken falsehood. Your tongue mutters wickedness. No one sues or pursues righteously. No one pleads honestly. That's the state of man. We can try to clean ourselves up, but there's something about our human nature that will always have that propensity without the Spirit of God to go right back to sin. You know, there's a story that told about how, you know, the, the wonderful story about how this guy gets this dog and he trains this dog and he's just wonderful. He just learns everything this guy teaches him to do. The dog even stands on his hind legs and just does all kinds of things, waits on people, brings them things and uh, all dressed up in this little suit, and everybody just was so impressed with this dog. And then all of a sudden, a cat ran by. (laughs) And the whole plan was ruined. It's kind of the analogy that we see with us. No matter what we do, no matter how we try to dress it up, no matter how we try to clean ourselves up, when sin comes, we just run right after it like the dog and the cat. We just can't help ourselves. We are in desperate need of a Savior. We are in desperate need of Jesus. Well, now we move to the last part of the Scripture. It is the blood of His cross... We are estranged from him. But look at verse going back to our scripture 23. I was talking to our Bible study class on Wednesday night that oftentimes as we read the scripture, we need to be careful that we don't overlook small words. Uh, Sometimes... Uh, thinking that maybe they're insignificant or, you know, all I need to do is grab the main concept. But I tell you that uh, the, the Word of God is written in language so that we can understand, but language means something. Every word of language has a, a meaning behind it. And so uh, as we look at this verse, it starts with maybe such a small and insignificant uh, word in the, in the language that we can just, ju- just look right over it. But it says this word, if. If. Now, if is an incredible word. It means, literally, a choice is to be made. It's laying out an option for you and I. The if is literally, it is stated that it is by the blood of Jesus that we have been estranged from God. And then it says, if. 
Now, in verse 23, if you look there, it talks about if you continue. So here Paul specifically addresses believers. I want to address that first. Guys, again, I, I am in no way, if the Lord wants this thing to go on another 50 or 100 years until his coming, it will. But I also know my Bible says that we need to be aware of the signs and the seasons. And I have to tell you, I am uneasy for the church and the people of my country. I think we've been lulled to sleep. I think that we're at the scripture where they're saying, safety, safety, hey, everything's going to be okay. We need to make sure because Paul states here, if we continue in the faith. Then he says, established. Listen to the words he uses. The faith established, steadfast, not moved. Guys, the word of God is clear. You can write this scripture verse down. 2 Thessalonians 2, 10 and 11. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 10 and 11, God says, and I guess we'll just turn there. We need to turn there. Second Thessalonians chapter 2. Read with me 10 and 11. And with all the deception of wickedness for those who perish, because they did not receive the love of the truth so as to be saved. And for this reason, God will send upon them a deluding influence so that they may believe what is false. Now, I am in no way, I want to make this clear, I am being obedient to the Lord, I am not a prophet, I am an under-shepherd of God's people, and only by the Spirit of God. But I tell you that we need to be careful as we see the day of Jesus approaching, that we continue in the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that we do not turn aside to myth, to follow after things of the world. I'm telling you, because we have spurned and spurned and spurned, and how else do you describe the fact that we kill millions of babies every year without even batting an eye? It's not even, ah, it's just like going out and changing your clothes. 
Guys, we need to be careful that we are not deluded. We need to hold to the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you are here and you have already made a choice for Jesus, I ask you and implore you, continue in him, being rooted and built up in your faith, not moved. It is the hope of the gospel that has saved you. It is the Son of Jesus Christ that gives you hope. It is He that has brought healing, forgiveness. We were separated from God, and He's brought healing. Then the second if is implied, although it's not clearly there. The if is, am I in Jesus? Am I really in Jesus? You say, well, what are you meaning now, Pastor? I'm saying there was a precious lady in one of my former congregations that was with us for years and years and years. Dennis and Sherry are here, and they're great friends of ours, and they would know who this person would be. We were teaching through covenant. Jill was on a Wednesday night. This precious lady walked up to Jill and said, I don't believe I've ever asked Jesus to forgive me of my sins. She thought because she had been in the church so long, she just somehow received him by osmosis. That, that, that somehow God just came and now was in her heart. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that each one of us has to come to a point of decision that we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that God raised him from the dead, and you will be saved. For it is with our mouth that we confess, and it is in our hearts that we believe. And so it's not by osmosis, so... I ask the question because the if is, have you trusted in Jesus? Not a church, not a religion. None of that will mean anything on that day, whenever it is. Whether God calls me by death in this physical life or whether he comes and I see him face to face, all that will matter on that day is whether I have the blood of Jesus covering me. I'm not going to talk to God about what I did, where I was, that I was a pastor. It doesn't mean a thing. The only thing that matters is whether the blood has been covered. Because it says in this passage of Scripture clearly, it is through that, listen to this, that in verse 22, that you are holy, blameless, and beyond reproach. Hallelujah! It is not by my works, not by what I've done. What will I say when I see God face to face? I will say, the blood of Jesus! 
that's all I have to say. I'm not going to be good enough, but praise God, he was good enough to me. He loved me. He saw me. I don't know what your need is this morning. But whatever it is, I will tell you, Jesus is still the answer. If you need a spiritual healing, you need salvation, Jesus is your healer. If you need healing from your memories, some of us in this world that we live in have been absolutely ravaged by the system, by people, some of you may be even here by your own parents, by people in your own family. God can heal your memories. Some of you, God needs to heal you emotionally. The world has chewed you up and spit you out. And you're an emotional wreck. God wants to heal you. God wants to bring forgiveness and say, I'll heal that area. I'll heal that area. Some of you may, you have a physical need. God still heals. God is a God of healing. When forgiveness comes, it talks about in Isaiah 55, where, or 53, where it talks about that by his stripes you were healed. Isaiah 53, 6, by his wounds, by his stripes we were healed. That term means the whole person physically emotionally spiritually mentally God heals it all so I want to ask and we're getting ready to close what's your need this morning do you need a healing from God Spiritually, all the Bible says is if you will confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Romans 10, 9. Maybe it's mentally. Maybe you're just tormented. That, that when, when, you, when you have a moment of peace... You just don't have it. it, it, it Any time there's a lack of activity, your mind buffets you. God wants to set you free. Maybe you're so bound emotionally by fear or hate or whatever it is that you just say, I'm an emotional wreck. God wants to bring healing. That happens because of forgiveness, because he's forgiven us. So if you're here, let me first ask, Heads bowed, eyes closed.